right now and it and and really trying to kind of reassess where we are what needs to happen truthfully is we need to have real come to jesus understanding about reassessing where we are right now really reassessing because i'm telling you right now i don't think i'm telling you right now i don't think i'm gonna say it again i don't think that we as a people as 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 a black as african society as a black society i don't think that we truly understand the ramifications of what was happening right now right up under our nose right now I, and you're right. I don't think they understand because right now they're eating crumbs from the pie. They're not even a piece, eating a piece of the pie. So if we're fighting for minority businesses, if we're fighting for um, uh, simple things as books in our classroom, if we're fighting for... Live ec- from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. President Biden's re-election campaign is officially underway. Speaking to union leaders in Philadelphia on Saturday, Biden touted his administration's economic record, pledging to make the U.S. a global leader in manufacturing. We're doing something right now no one has thought possible. We're on the edge of a manufacturing boom in America. For the longest time, we've been told to give up on American manufacturing. I was told you can't do it here anymore. Well, I never believed in this nation used to lead the world in manufacturing. And we're going to do it again. The president also touted the bipartisan infrastructure law that he signed last year. As the 2024 presidential race heats up, Biden is scheduled to hit the campaign trail in California this week. He's expected to attend a series of fundraising receptions with climate and technology donors. Gun violence erupted in a number of U.S. cities over the holiday weekend. NPR's Amy Held reports the Gun Violence Archive says more than 300 mass shootings have been reported so far this year. Eight teens and young adults together were shot early Saturday outside L.A. Police are seeking a suspect while gatherings go on. I know this is graduation season as well as this weekend we're celebrating Father's Day as well as Juneteenth. Damon Jones is with the Sheriff's Station in Carson, California. We want you to feel safe, want you to feel comfortable, want you to be confident about going on with your plans for the weekend. Not the case for revelers near a dance festival later Saturday east of Seattle where a gunman fired randomly into the crowd, hitting several people, two fatally, police say. Then there's the widespread mental health toll. A Kaiser Family Foundation study finds 80% of U.S. adults have worried about becoming the next victim of gun violence. A third have avoided crowds for that reason. Amy Held, NPR News. The number of refugees admitted to the United States is rebounding. NPR's Joel Rose reports there's been a modest increase in admissions as advocates prepare to mark World Refugee Day this week. More than 31,000 refugees arrived in the United States in the first eight months of the fiscal year that began in October. That's more than any full year since 2017, though it is still far short of the 125,000 spots officially allocated by the White House. Refugee resettlement agencies have struggled to rebuild capacity that was lost during the Trump administration when refugee admissions plunged. The Biden administration has also used other pathways to grant temporary status to tens of thousands of Ukrainians, as well as asylum seekers from Latin America and the Caribbean. Those alternatives are faster, but they do not provide a clear pathway to citizenship as refugee status does. Joel Rose, NPR News, Washington. You're listening to NPR News in Washington. Outside the Southwest, communities across the United States are holding some of their first-ever Juneteenth celebrations this weekend. But that's not the case in Cincinnati. Tana Weingartner of member station WVXU reports the annual two-day Juneteenth festival has been going strong for 36 years. Juneteenth just became a federal holiday two years ago, but Cincinnati's Juneteenth celebration has been a tradition for nearly four decades. Coordinator Lydia Morgan says the event's longevity is thanks to the dedication of those behind it. It's a celebration for everybody because it's American history. A lot of the people who still work on it have been working on it for 36 years. (laughs) 
Morgan says this year's festival is focused on listening to what young people think needs to be done about pressing issues facing the city. For NPR News, I'm Tana Weingartner in Cincinnati. Officials in Philadelphia say a section of Interstate 95 that collapsed last Sunday is expected to reopen within two weeks. Crews have been working around the clock to construct a temporary roadway to alleviate traffic in the area. President Biden got a first-hand look at the damage during a stop in Philadelphia yesterday. A tanker truck carrying gasoline caught fire underneath the elevated roadway, causing the northbound lanes to cave in. The fire also heavily damaged the southbound side. The federal government has pledged to help city and state officials get the highway back open as quickly as possible. This is NPR News in Washington. WMF Tampa. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to develop new cancer therapies by attacking cancer through multiple pathways. More about this momentum of discovery at DanaFarber.org slash stories. If you've been saving up for a rainy day to get a new car, the rainy season is coming. So if you're in need of a more reliable ride to get you through the wet roads safely, donate your old one to WMNF. We accept used cars, trucks, and even RV donations, running or not. Donating is easy. Learn more at WMNFcar.org. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! 9 a.m. weekday mornings right here at 88.5 FM. You'll hear the same fearless investigative reporting on topics too hot for the mainstream media. Tune in to Democracy Now! 9 a.m. weekdays right after the morning show. That's right here on WMNF, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Lakeland, Clearwater, Winter Haven, and Venice. On June 19, 1865, enslaved African Americans in Texas were finally told they were free. WMNF's mission is to continue this story known as Juneteenth. On Monday, June 19th, we will have all-day music and public affairs programming commemorating Juneteenth. You are invited to come to the station for a potluck from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., during which there will be tours of the station, opportunities to break bread with like-minded folks, and a chance to witness performance of Frederick Douglass by local talent Donald Daldridge. Now more than ever, for WMNF, Juneteenth is a symbol of freedom and knowledge. Join us. Join me late Sunday, early Monday for Body Rock with Mike B on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. The heavy metal disco train leaves the station at midnight for a three-hour dark journey into the sonic underworld of alternative music. Body Rock with Mike B. Sunday, midnight, WMNF 88.5. We are back to the Sunday Forum here on WMNF Radio 88.5 FM. Walter L. Smith II, and we're taking your telephone calls. The conversation is getting lively. 813-239-9663 It's the number to call. here on the Sunday Forum. Man, listen, if you were tuned into the Facebook page, the discussion that Life and I had during the break um, was a serious discussion, very good discussion. Um, and we're going to talk about it today on the show. We're going to get around to it. Um, we're visited by the president of the NAACP, Yvette Lewis, and Ms. Antoinette Davis, uh, who is going to be talking with us about the issue of uh, climate justice and environmental justice, right? Um, but today's show as a whole is about emancipation, true emancipation. Um, where are we? What is it going to take for us to reach that level of, of, of freedom? Yeah, right. Right on. Uh, by by its full definition, 
And we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that. Um, um, Yvette, mm-hmm. you were saying something that was before before the break, before NPR came in and rudely dis- disrupted the show. <laughs> um, As always. You know. <laughs> damn that. NPR. Uh, thank you, NPR, for bringing us that world news. But, um, Yvette, tell us what you were saying earlier, please, if if you recall. Yeah, I mean, we are fighting right now, just like you were saying, how they fought back then. We are fighting the the same fight, basically, but at a different structure and a different level. We're fighting for better housing, uh, higher wages on jobs. We're fighting for... The basic on um, better drinking water. We're fighting for health care for all. We're fighting for education. We're fighting um, those fights now. You know, in a city like this, we shouldn't be riding down the street and seeing so many people sleeping out on the uh, the corners because they ain't got no place to stay. And those are not just drug addicts those are not just alcoholism those are people who have been victimized by the system of high rent um because they don't have the jobs and landlords are keep going higher and higher so these are truly families that it could be me because a lot of us are just one paycheck away from this and this is what we get. So that's what we're fighting for. And we're going to keep fighting and keep fighting for people's civil rights. And we, y'all have got to help me by voting and putting the right people in office. And when I say me, the NAACP and civil rights organizations. So putting the right people in office to help with this fight. That's right. That's right. Um, Antoinette Davis. Yes. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. All right. You ready to cause some trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Ready to cause some trouble? Good trouble. Absolutely, yes. Good trouble. You know, and I I have a personal stake in this because I I really push environmental issues big time on this show. And and anywhere I go, pretty much, especially when it comes to our people. Um, Internet Davis, uh, talk to us about, about why you're here today. Sure. I want to start out by saying I just recently got back from a vacation um, to Alaska and we went and saw the glaciers. And I think um, to see them up close um, through our binoculars was really amazing Um, to see all of the obstruction and to see how uh, far they're receding back. Um, and so I've come back telling people, if you plan to go to Alaska, so I hear, hear a lot of people saying they want to go, you need to hurry up and get there. <laughs> you need to hurry up and get there. Um, there's been so much change. Um, so I think that if if people don't uh, take it for real, that there is a big issue with climate and um, how we're taking care of this earth, I think we just need to really open our eyes and travel a bit to see Um, I like to travel. I like to go and just behold the glory of creation um, and for me to just really see God's glory in all of creation. So it is a real thing that um, our climate is is really being impacted by the people that live on the earth. We're the ones doing it. We were talking earlier about getting out to vote, and I definitely think that... um, we as a people, I'm saying all people, um, are not really understanding the power that we have in the things that we do, um, whether it is going out to vote or how we internalize taking care of the earth that we live in, that we've been blessed to, to live in. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm here to answer your question. I'm here today um, to talk about Um, a community discussion that I'm inviting everyone to join me at Victory AME. Um, We're really going to bring together a group to discuss some of the changes that we've seen over time in Tampa as it relates to the environment and um, 
really call for solutions, putting solutions on the table for climate justice. So not everybody is being impacted the same um, as we know. Uh, people of color, poor people are being impacted differently um, and are being prepared for the changes that we um, are encountering um, at a different rate. So we're calling people to have that discussion Saturday, 3 o'clock at Victory AME. Um, we also will have present with us um, a local funder who is wanting to hear from the community to inform their money um, to address climate change in our, um, in our community. So inviting everybody out to let their voices be heard. And just like if we don't vote, if we don't come and show up and let our voices be heard, uh, people will fund the things that the people who showed up talk about. So if we want to make sure that our issues are being considered, we have to show up. And when we show up, it matters. Absolutely. I think one of the things that when we talk about climate justice, mm -hmm. one of the things that I've been talking about for years is the fact that, you know, when we talk about illnesses and we talk about, um, when we talk about the flooding that takes place in our communities because of lack of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about um, where we work, our work environment, or, or even our housing, right. public housing, all air these quality. things, air quality, all these things are are huh. relevant to this issue, right? Mm -hmm. And you know we've been fighting for it for years, right? Right on. Pro proper housing. You know, the proper materials for housing and things like that, but we just had a different name for it, mm -hmm. right? It was just okay. Yeah, we need better materials, but we didn't say it was environmental justice. Mm -hmm. So we said we were breathing this stuff in, but we didn't say it was environmental justice mm -hmm. uh, or environmental racism, right? Because for years there had been this separation between the term between the terminologies of environmental justice and environmental racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you talk climate justice, um, is there such a thing as, somebody might ask a question there, if you say climate justice, is there such a thing as climate racism? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, that's one of the things that I've been working on the policy side um, with our county um, to acknowledge and to, to call it out um, in terms of the structural racism so people in our county, in the city of Tampa, are living, um, people of color are living in areas that, if we look at the mapping as we've done, um, are the poorest areas in the city on purpose. So that is by design. Um, that is what we're calling structural racism. Redlining. Um, right, redlining. And those areas you talked about, um, Infrastructure, but those areas are not getting the proper investment as well. Um, we're living in the city. We're all contributing um, to the city's revenue through our water that we pay and other um, utilities that we pay, but we're not receiving the investments in our environment the same as others are, are doing. And so that is an injustice. That's a structural uh, situation so that we have to really use the lens of race um, to acknowledge the disproportion in which people are um, being contributed to in our, in our county. And so that's what we're doing. We're constantly calling out racism as a public health crisis. It's a public health crisis because all of the things that um, are going on as, as it relates to a lack of investment so that our environments, the water that we're drinking, the quality of air that we're breathing is not the same, um, is something that we have to call out and we have to show up. We're seeing that in our um, health and in the black community, um, we have chronic diseases and chronic, I had a professor from USF explaining this to me, um, and chronic just means like slow, <laughs> slowly suffering. Um, and so we have all these chronic diseases in our communities and people are not attributing that to their environment. 
so it's a justice issue um, because structurally our government officials have put black people and poor people in environments where the air is more poor. <laughs> right? They have done that structurally. And, and, and some people, the people that argue that point, right, that would say that our air, <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you have racist air, right? Mm-hmm. But, and, 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 and that's, that seems like a, uh, it's, it's very flippant response, very cavalier response to something that they know the answer to. Like when you drive into into the city right, from from Western Chapel, let's say, right, from the north side of the city into into the core, you can literally see mm-hmm. the small, the difference in the air. And and I I live in Tampa a long time. And I never, until probably literally 15 years ago, I never paid attention to it. Until one day I said, you know, I'm just going to kind of not I said, holy crap. They're right. And literally, it's right over East Tampa. And literally, it's right over West Tampa. And it's, it's, it's there's a, like this, this split. I mean, you can literally see it, right? And you talking about devastating, devastating. When I, I was teaching at the school, teaching science at the school, and I asked all my students, and I had, I, had some, I had some pretty large classes, and I asked them, I said, listen, you know, how many of you have asthma? Yeah. I used to, you know, someone raised a hand, I used to, you yeah, said, okay, how many of you used to have it? Most of those students raised their hands. How many of you have brother, little brothers and sisters who use a breathing machine? Right. I think, you know, people don't understand the effects on your respiratory system that just living in your home <laughs> is having on you. Right. And that this is the kind of awareness that we have to... Uh, start having. Um, we have to start educating ourselves, showing up, getting in good trouble. Like because this is being done to us, whether you realize it or not, it's being done to us. People are um, systematically making sure that um, we're continuing to be oppressed, and we have to really educate ourselves, and we have to fight back, as we've been saying today, against these um, attacks on us as a people. That's right. That's right. Well, let's go to these phone lines. Phone line. Yeah. 813-239-9663 is the number to call it. Join the conversation here on Sunday Forum. Go ahead, caller. You're on the you're on the air. Yes, hey, good morning. And good thank morning. you for taking my call. All right, all right. I want to direct my um my conversation to um Yvette Lewis. Um Yvette, I, I heard you say that the NAACP has been around since nineteen oh eight and this is twenty twenty three. It seems like we're just here for information. And and I'm not saying this in any bad way or nothing. I'm, I'm just talking as a family, and I'm just calling in talking. It would be so nice if one day that um, Yvette Lewis or somebody that has some, anything to do with the NAACP would step forward and say, we're going to open up our first hospital. We're going to open up our first clinic. I, I, I'm, I'm 64 years old, and I see the Jewish hospitals and the clinics being built. Walter, I live out here in Wesley Chapel, and they got one hospital they just built. Right. And I, I'm, I promise you, man, within two miles, there's another one going up, Orlando right. Hospital. Right. It, and, and they just go up constantly, and the little clinics go up. And I'm, I'm saying this. I don't want to lose my train of thought. But when black folks go into these clinics now, they don't even speak to you sometimes. They don't even acknowledge you sometimes. And yet you're going in here with some type of malady, some, some type of illness, something's going on, and, and that's the reason why you're going in there. And, and I'm segueing that into this. I, I never heard of the NAACP come up and say, we're going to open our first clinic up. Um, we're going to open up our first bank. We're going to open. Walter, I, my wife and I ride around this country. I'm retired, so we, we travel. We never see any building or anything that gives us strength. But but when we ride around, we see all these Jewish centers. We see all this. I, I, I don't want to go into all the 
all the things that they build and, and they just keep going on. And, and it just seems like when it comes to us and the NAACP, we just keep talking about vote, vote. And, and, and like I say, I'm not coming down on anything or anybody, but that's been the same thing we've been talking about with the NAACP is vote, vote. But the vote doesn't take out the system nowhere. The system's in place and the system's not going anywhere. And the system's not meant for us. So I'm wondering why we don't put up our own clinics. And, and Walter, it doesn't take a lot of money to put up a clinic. I, I got money that I got uh, retired funds, and, and I actually done pretty well in my life, Walter. And I'm willing to donate some of this money. I was talking to my wife about it, but but nobody wants to hear it, Walter. I do. And, and, and I do. I, and leave, I, and so, I want to say this to Yvette Lewis. You're, you're doing a great job of what you've done, what you got. You, you, you really are. But but I would love, Yvette Lewis, for you to step up and maybe even say, let's do a GoFund. And, and everybody within the sound of my voice Send me five dollars, and we're gonna we're gonna purchase our first land or something for our first clinic, because Walter, it, it seems like we don't have any power with 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 material things. Uh, like I say, we don't we don't see anything that the kids don't see anything. Could you imagine if a kid rode down and seen the NAACP bank? We we don't even have so, a bank where we control our money or anything. We got to keep going to them. We we keep going to them, and, and they don't want us in there. They they they, they, can, they can survive without our money. They, they man, I can go on and on, but I know I, I'm so, just taking my call. I've had it happen. I've had it happen. I live in that in that area. I actually had it happen to me. So I, I get exactly what you're saying, and I, I don't even go. I don't even go when I have gone, um, and, and you know I have um, a, um, an asthmatic mother-in-law. And I don't even take her there anymore. We, we, we don't take her anymore. there anymore when any of our kids get sick on an emergency or something like that. We had St. Joe's in town. But you have a very good point. That's a very good point. Please. He do. And I wholeheartedly agree with him 100%. But let me tell you this here. There are many black clinics that are opened up in, let's say, East Tampa, and we're always looking for more volunteers. See, people seem to don't understand or don't realize this is a volunteer organization. So if you see that you can add to us, come on over and add to us. We're always looking to purchase and get the word out um, about land. And we're standing up and fighting this city for um, more land, more things. And, um, hey, I have to say that word here that people don't want to hear of reparations. But, my brother, if you got the uh, solution, if you got it, bring it. I'm welcome. I'm open to it. So, I agree. We do need more clinics. We do need uh, um, our our own bank. We had a dear brother, Eddie Adams. He has gone on. He passed. He was trying so hard to create our own bank, our own credit union here. And he ran in so much opposition. But the NAACP was supporting him 110%. So, but you know, we still have some people who look like us that say, oh, well, you know, let me uh, trust this man as opposed to trusting that man with my money or with my uh, health issues because um you know, if it's white, it's right. That's what they used to say back then. But, you know, so, hey, I welcome it. Let's go. We should be owning our own city. It should be a black Wall Street in this city here in the city of Tampa. We should be patronizing more black businesses. We should be doing all of this. But let me tell you this. That don't just fall on the bike of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. That falls on the bike and the shoulders of black folks here who ride past our clinics that's in this area to go to another clinic because they feel that the water is more colder over there. Mm. That's all I'm mm. saying. If I can jump in and say that many years ago, um, our founding pastor, Reverend Arthur T. Jones, um, started a credit union at Bible-based Fellowship Church. And just like what Yvette is saying, 
And what I previously said is that we have to show up. Black people have to show up. Like sustainability is something that we haven't learned as a people. We can start a whole lot of things, but putting it in our plans for it to be sustainable is something that we haven't learned how to do. Mm. And I think that um, a lot of that has to do with us not necessarily supporting um, the initiatives that one has. We we tend to, um, if I have a bank, then you start, you know, down the street, somebody else start a bank and around the corner, somebody else, people of color start a bank as opposed to us all rallying behind the support and sustainability of the one bank. And let's 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 rally together and expand that to building the the um, clinic, and let's rally together and expand that to building the school. So we we don't tend to support uh, the initiatives that we do have on the table. We talked about the the library, um, you know, the Freedom Library that we ha- have started in the African American school that have started. But how many of our kids have come to the library? There you go. And if we don't come to the library, how long is the library going to last? Yes. So we're starting great things and we have started things over the years. But just like the credit union that we had at Bible Based Fellowship Church that no longer is in existence, we can't have things be sustainable if we don't come together as a people and support the initiatives that we do start. That is correct. And let me tell you, if you travel down Hillsboro within a mile radius, within a mile, there are seven hair beauty uh, stores. Right. None of them are owned by us. When this young lady, uh, this this beautiful black sister, opened up her own. Mm-hmm. I remember. It started it. It was going on, but it wasn't sustainable. Black folks rode right past her and went to somebody else because, oh, we didn't want that product and we didn't want it. But you go to this other stores, and as soon as you walk into those stores, they watch you, they follow you around, and they treat you like crap. But then you had this other lady. So I'm just saying, hey, we have got to do better with sustaining and supporting more African-American businesses here. Over at the NAACP, we have our empowerment center that are helping to grow, cultivate minority businesses. And that's what I'm saying. So we have got to do better. So in my view, more than just supporting black businesses, we have to support black power yes. because a lot of times those black businesses, black churches and the rest of them take the black money to the white people, too. So uh, we have to make sure that we not only support black business, but support black power, meaning uh, businesses that work for the liberation of African people and our right to govern ourselves. So um, that that, in my view, is, is a critical thing. Like the, the gentleman, the caller who called in and caller, I, I don't know if you stated your name, but I, w- I would love to um, talk to you. Uh, in the future, you can drop my number down if you're still listening. It's 813-810-3582. My name is Life. Uh, 813-810-3582. Make sure, make sure to send an email. Send yeah, an email. do that too. Send an email. Yeah. Okay, we want to hear from you, man. Yeah, right um, on. But I, I just wanted to say, though, like, you know, when, when the brother talked about how, you know, these people have their own. You see the Jewish hospital. You see whatever, all these people, you know, they have their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've come to know and talk about after being taught by Chairman Amali Yisitela, that, you know, African people don't know that we're African people, so we don't even know to have our own. We're convinced that somehow we are a part of uh, this thing called America. As a matter of fact, we handcuff ourselves with this hyphen and call ourselves African-American. And Chairman Amali Yeshitela teaches us you can't be the African and the American at the same time because you can't be the slave and the slave master at the same time. So the one one reason why we don't have our own is because we don't know that we need our own. We think this, we think their flag is our flag too. We think George Washington is our forefather too, right? Because we don't understand um, the 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 critical question of nationalism. We have to know that we are Africans, pure and simple. We were Africans when we got on the boat in 1619 against our will, and when they dropped us off over here, we were still Africans. And uh, no matter where we are all around the world, we're Africans. And when we can understand that, then we can, we'll know to put our money in the African bank. We'll know that's ours. When we see the red, black, and green flag flying over the damn bank, we'll know that's our bank. When we see the red, <laughs> black, and green flag flying over the school, we know that's our school. When we see the red, black, and green flag flying over the 
uh, the, the library would know. That's our library. That's the African library right there. They have something inside that I want to see because every library I ever went to ain't have nothing in there but horror stories about what white people did to us and maybe something about Jackie Robinson and Martin Luther King Jr. And that's just not enough to attract me to a library anymore. But if I see that red, black, and green flag, I'm going to know uh, you got Walter Rodney in the library. You got Marcus Garvey in the library. You got John Henry Clark in the library. You know, I, I, I'll know that kind of stuff. Then you got Malcolm X in the library. You got Chairman O'Malley in the library. You know, you got Huey P. Newton in the library. You know, you have uh, Harriet Tubman in the library. You have Fannie Lou Hamer in the library. You have something about Desi Woods in the library. I know that when I see the red, black, and green flag. But until then, hell, if I see the red, black, and green flag flying over the African store, I know you got that real African hair, and I want to go in there and get the real African hair. You understand? But uh, it's right now, I'm, I'm thinking, well, we all American because they they've, uh, uh, brainwashed us with that hogwash for centuries, and so we, we can't tell uh, our own African self from, uh, the, you know, people with blue eyes and stringy hair. That's life, Malcolm. Let the church say amen. 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 Yeah. Let, me tell you, let me tell you, when I was in Chicago, I remember the first time I went to Chicago, right? I was on the south side of Chicago. It wasn't a special holiday. It just was south side of Chicago. You drive down 101st, man's number, red, black, and green flag. Right on. Okay. The attitude was, that, that was the attitude as well. And that is something that I, I could really get down with, right? And this is the thing, and I think that everybody will agree with me about this. Every time we start talking about, you know, we start talking about our own schools, our own banks, our own, you know, red, black, and green flags going down the street, and then all of a sudden, oh, everybody gets scared. What you getting scared about? There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, they want us to be on our own anyway. Right. You know, <laughs> leave us alone. We, you know, we straight. Right. Give us what you owe us yeah. and, you know, leave us alone. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and you want to come visit? Come on. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Just anybody, as a- anybody, we don't think like they do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's the thing. We don't think like they do. We don't act like they do. And so we've always been welcoming. And not, nobody said that was our problem. Say, yeah, you man. know they, they say that the, the white people tell you in their history books that they went around the world when they thought the earth was flat, right? Many of them did. They went around the world in a boat looking for spices because uh, some kind of they had some kind of intellectual itch. But Chairman O'Malley used to tell the teachers us that the reality is it wasn't some intellectual itch that sent them around the world. It was hunger pangs. They ain't had no food. You understand? Half the white people died from the plague at that time. They went around the world looking for food and they went looking for that gold that they that Mansa Mansa that. Uh, uh, yes. Massive monster brought through. They, they went looking for the gold, yeah. right? They went looking. So it wasn't curiosity. It was. Uh, they, they weren't curious. They were spurious. You know. And uh, if anything, we ought to be furious. Right. Yeah. What's interesting is that um, other nationalities have things, and that doesn't make anyone afraid. afraid and so the question is, why is it when we start to raise up as a people that people are afraid? This, this is historical. Because we are the colonial subjects, yeah. and they know what happens. Uh, you know, at, at least uh, since uh, 1900, right? Uh, they they know what happened when you uh, when you, when you hold us. What was that? What was the Haitian Revolution? Uh, I think 1900, really. 1800, right? Yeah, 1800. Yeah, 1800, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Haitian Revolution. You know, they they understood that when we rise up, we can get free, and uh, so they they, they uh, colonizer rightfully so is afraid of the uprising. And I want to say we talked about racism. I'm like, I don't know what that is, right? But we do understand what colonialism is, and we need to call things what you know what they are. You know, the reality is uh, uh, when you talk about redlining, re- the word racism has its origin in 1902, right? And um, uh, at least that's the first use, uh, first recorded use of the word racism. But redlining was going on before racism. Redlining—that's what that uh, Berlin Conference was in 1884 and 1885. That was redlining when they carved up Africa for their purposes. And so you, you know, it, but that was a colonial uh, uh, condition. That was a colonial consequence. And so, like Yvette said throughout the show, they're playing the same game, just different techniques. Mm-hmm. But we can't call it, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't serve us best to call it environmental racism, uh, climate racism, plain racism, systematic racism, and all this stuff. Because racism is nothing about uh, nothing but about the thoughts of somebody you know, uh, in their head about you. And we, who cares what people think about us? What we want is the power. We want to overturn this colonial condition that has us trick-trapped into 
into fighting each other, into uh, believing that we are we that we are our enemies, descendants, and whatever the hell we we think we know that we should pledge allegiance to the flag. All that is colonial domination. It's not about whether they like us or not. It's colonial domination. The ability to control and exploit our resources and our people to the benefit of their nation, not ours. And so is, we yeah. have to overturn that. I don't know how you, uh, you know, and racism is such an insidious kind of thing because you chase the white person down to make them like you. Imagine that. How, how self-aggrandizing must that be for the white people? Right. We, we're trying to make you like us. And like I said before, Henry Kissinger said that power is an incredible aphrodisiac. You want the white people to like you, get the power. Overturn colonialism, and yeah. I don't know that if you can do it just voting at the ballot box. I know Malcolm X was uh, was was sagacious when he said the ballot or the bullet. So at least then he taught us that there was at least more than one way to vote. You know, and uh, we saw people vote tremendously in the streets when they attacked George Floyd. People, that was a vote. You know, uh, when the people got out there and uh, and, and made their voices heard. Uh, you know, uh, even though the voting booths weren't open at That's, the time. The, and, yeah. You know, I often I often <laughs> wondered. I often went and listen, we gotta hit the phone line. <laughs> Man, let, let me tell you something. I often wonder what would have happened had they pushed those guys up off of them. Had everybody come together and just pushed off of them and they said, hey man, and stood around and protected them and said, listen, you're not gonna do that. Now, if you wanna carry them in, you take them in. Mm-hmm. But don't, but you're not, you're not gonna keep, you're not gonna, come on, you're gonna man. kill them. Man. But Terrible. You know what, Walter? Going off of what Brother Life have said, you know, um, when COVID hit, I saw other communities come together to help their businesses continue to thrive. They got creative. And they were, some people made, those um, mom and pop shops made more money during COVID than they did in the regular days before COVID. We, as a people, now we have to figure out how to keep our dollars within our community and stop taking it out our side of our community because they feel as though the water is colder on the other side and the water is better. We have to spend our dollars and keep our dollars here because Brother Life hit it and Antoinette hit it. Those dollars that we go to those stores they don't come back to us. They ain't taxpayers. They are, I mean, don't even buy gas at at the store on on the corner. We just talked about all, this. all of that. We just and, about and then you, you know all these Oriental restaurants up in here, and and everybody is benefiting off of our dollars, but ain't contributing to our community. So when the NACP issued that travel. Uh, advisory, that's what we did. We let people know, you have got to educate yourself on what you need to do before you come here. We ain't hurting black businesses. The black businesses was hurting before they came here. Okay? So don't sit here and placate and, and, and drown in the sorrows that that man has put into your head. We have got to do better in supporting our black businesses and and taking care of our black businesses back like they did back in the day. I'm just saying. Let's get to these line, these phone lines, man. All right, Let's go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Go ahead, that's you. No, even uh, discussion this morning. I just want yes. to say this. We definitely got to get to where uh, Brother Life has laid out. Uh, As long as we keep on jumping around the issues and fighting for inclusion, we have to have a action plan, a plan with action. And it would mean that we would be um, have continuity and we would have a vision as to where we want to go. Second point, um, you know, even with the uh, uh, planning and celebration of Juneteenth, I, I want people to remember the 13th Amendment that um, uh, granted the state to own our people where we find so many of our folks incarcerated that no longer could individual white people own us, but the state do. And so when we are looking into young people's eyes and they are feeling the pain 
of not knowing how to get through this maze called life, their information, where they are seeking information is blank. And many of their young, many of their parents or loved ones is removed from them. And so they're dealing with an America that they thought was welcoming to them, but it is not. We got to work to free ourselves of this ignorance and fight for true liberation of our people. Thank you so much. Right on, right on. Yeah, appreciate that, comrade. Um, let's go to our next our next call. All right, go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday forum. Good morning, Chris Steiner. Here, uh, you're talking about air quality, and and uh, um, about a month ago, May 11th, uh, CDC actually issued uh, new guidance that they should have issued a long time ago for calling for air cleaners, UV air treatment, and CO2 monitors. So that would be helpful to prevent uh, hypercapnia or CO2 buildup, which uh, is important if you're wearing a mask to check under your mask to see if that's reached too high level. And uh, you know, that's a waste product that can cause a lot of problems. Um, and But they should have uh, advised using air ionizers that uh, put out ozone that neutralize contaminants. And they should also uh, recommend a nasal wash every couple of days or every day. Because that's where the virus uh, viruses set up uh, shop. They start colonizing for seven days before they get into uh, the respiratory tract. So um, that's a great preventative for folks. But um, you know, uh, uh, and you're talking about uh, setting up, um, you know, the, the economic reform. Um, just don't wait for anyone, the government or any organization, to reform economics. Uh, you can promote and participate in or start your own community currencies or time banks, barter networks, cooperatives, swap shops, and uh, they're all around. Um, I know if you you uh, search for um, barter networks, they're pretty successful around here. And, and uh, swap shops, you can do a search on Facebook. Um, uh, there are two time banks uh, in the Tampa Bay area, of which I know. Um, and uh, another point was um, school itself, I learned, was abuse because uh, they're teaching so much false stuff. So you have to teach your kids whatever you want them to know. Um, I was online since 1984, uh, so I got a lot of information from the Internet that wasn't publicly available until seven years later in 1991 when the Internet uh, became available to the public. So I did uh, reports. In, in school, and I always got perfect grades, but these reports would always uh, contradict what was in the curriculum. And, uh, you know, usually no one in the class would want to ask any questions, the teacher, except maybe the teacher uh, would sometimes be inspired by the irreverence, I guess. But um, I would always get a good grade because I had it well-researched. And, and it was, uh, and it, I think it's the fuel for my recurring nightmares that I've actually had of, sitting in a classroom knowing I've graduated and thinking, oh, here I'm stuck again and thinking uh, they're trying to brainwash, knowing they're trying to brainwash me. So I encourage kids to teach, to go against the grain and and to teach uh, what the curriculum doesn't have. But, um, you know, schools should teach more about slavery, like the present-day slavery to the bankster gangsters that we're all under. But uh, if they taught that, then it would unite us against them rather than... Uh, you know, continuing on the course of so many folks ignoring their, their present debt slavery. You know, the debt slavery that keeps increasing. So uh, that's something that we can handle ourselves. And and uh, a question I have on um, black history uh, being purportedly removed from public schools. Uh, no black history has been removed. What's happened is what was rejected by the Florida Department of Education was the new curriculum for college credits uh, introduced by the College Board, which is their brand, it's their, their nonprofit organization. And uh, it was not by DeSantis. Of course, he supported it. But, um, you know, DeSantis was accused of, of uh, I, I just trying to diffuse racial tensions. I don't like race riots. And I think that's what a lot of people fear. Um, in January 23rd, the College Board uh, had their curriculum rejected. February 1st, they released a new curriculum and introduced it, which was accepted later in April, but they said that they had it ready in December of last year. You know, that didn't have a lot of the, the racially charged uh, things. And uh, when I say racially, I mean things having to do with uh, 
feeling guilty just for being in a in a you know in a civilization that is considered institutionally racist, uh, teaching that you can't help but be racist, things like that. But the DeSantis didn't choose Black History Month. This is the timeline, and this is the College Board that already had their. If you look at the news, they already had their curriculum ready. Yeah, you know, we we um, <clears throat> when it comes to that, you know, first of all, he spoke out very clearly about his support of that. And, you know, but so whether whether he took it out or not, whether he personally took it out or not, and we understand the dynamics of what happened. The reality of it is is that there has been an, there's been a move on his part consistently to support the removal of this of, of the curriculum and and to and and to support silly the, the silly notion of basically sweeping under the rug anything that that is truth so for instance the information that was that was that was that was that was developed by Texas um, regarding the textbooks and, and what they were saying about our history of saying that we were servants as opposed to slaves uh, or enslaved people um, in in this country, you know that that's a that's a that's a silly notion. Um, that, and it's not true. Um, and, and and then of course your 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 observation, which I'm 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 going to take it on Hermes' principle that you know that you don't you, you just didn't understand it, and that is our history goes far beyond. Uh, and we mentioned this in, in earlier, uh, Brother Life did, and he's right about this. Our history goes far beyond just slavery. So, you know, we got to keep that in mind. We got to keep that in yeah. mind when we talk about this. So, so first of all, um, Governor Ron DeSantis did start this um, fight. He did throw the first stone. Okay, with the college board. So they did start it and with him because the college board was fine. And then all of a sudden he put these thoughts and these ideas into their head. And this is what we get here. Um, When the college, when they put out the first thing saying that African-American history had to be changed, um, the college board did change it. We went back, they changed it, and he still rejected it to the point where he stated that the college board was just a bunch of people and that they wasn't that educated enough to fix this Mm -hmm. and threatened to dismantle the college board. Okay, so let's go back to this. They weren't qualified. qualified. So, which is totally wrong because they fixed it. So African-American history could stay in our school system. Then let's go back to the book, uh, Rosa Parks. You know, um, we all know why Rosa sat down on, on that bus in the in the front. You know, she was tired. She ain't going back to the back of the bus. No more. She had had enough. They whitewashed our books. They whitewashed our books to make it look so beautiful and that she just took a seat there. Okay, they have gone to the point where the publishers of these books, the African-American books, uh, the history books are suing the state of Florida. So what we won't do is play into the narrative of that DeSantis is trying to help and take this stuff uh, and trying to educate the people because an uneducated person is an educated person who don't know the history that this man has inflicted or trying to inflict on our people in, in the state of Florida. He is trying to erase our history because when he look in the mirror, he see the greatness, what black folks have done and not the greatness of his people. That's what I'm saying, Walter. Right, right. Uh, we had one caller that said whites are scared of black power because they're scared that you'll treat them the same way they treated you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we're going to gonna treat everybody fairly. You know, you, you get what you deserve. You know, um, and, and that's, that's, that's how that, in my view, will play out. Um, you know, 
this this idea about uh, who does what, you know, DeSantis, uh, Trump, whoever. I mean, like I said a bit ago, back when Otto von Bismarck was, you know, the, the, the big man at the table, uh, you know, we got the carving up of, of Africa. So um, it, it's, it, I think it's uh, a, a, a critical error to think of these people as evil, even if they are. I mean, that's that's not what's significant about them. What's significant about them is that they're playing the colonial game uh, for their colonial team and doing a good job at it. DeSantis is supposed to do exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. for the team that he's on. Uh, uh, same for any other colonial power or, or, or representative of colonial power. The question is, when are we as colonial subjects going to start doing what it is we need to do to get this colonial beast off our backs? You know, we or not, I mean, you know, I don't know. You maybe pray for evil or something like that. I don't know. But I do know that colonialism is a consequence of of military dominance. And we have to do something. We have to educate ourselves, organize ourselves, and do something equal uh, to to overturn the the colonial domination that we experience every day. Absolutely. We're going to go back to the phone lines. Let's get back to the phone line. Go ahead, Carla. You're on the Sunday Forum. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, the guest who went to uh, Alaska uh, a question. I've been kind of grappling with this issue myself as far as traveling. You know, I, I could travel uh, more than I do, but I've, I've decided not to because of the environmental impact of, of traveling. So I was wondering how she justifies or rationalizes um you know, a long flight to Alaska just to look at the glaciers, given the amount of, you know, pollution from air travel. Yeah, she's not here anymore, but um, I guess you, oh. you have to observe. You have yeah, to go up yeah. close and in person why, why to observe. Have to be, why would there have to be a justification for that? Because of the air travel? Yeah, yeah, the amount of pollution uh, produced uh, from planes, you know, just, just because, you know, our... our, our People these days have a lot of money, so it's easy to travel, much easier to travel now than it was 100 years ago when somebody had to get on a ship and and spend, you know, a lot of time on the ocean just to, you know, just to travel from one continent to another. Now we can just get on an airplane uh, and, and, and fly to Alaska, but the amount of pollution uh, produced by that flight, um, it contributes to the melting of the glaciers. So... How, how do we justify the air travel, you know, just to go here and there when we have this climate change problem? Yeah, it's not realistic to, to just not fly anymore. We have planes in the air every day. People are on campaign trails flying, wasting yeah. a whole lot of fuel <laughs> from airplanes just to go and talk a, noise. It probably has, it, and, and I would actually go as far as to say that it has very little impact um, in, in terms of uh, the planes that do travel there, a uh, very little impact on the glaciers as far as their collapse. Yeah. Um, the, the collapse of the glaciers is, is coming from far more than just airplanes. The overall warming of the way planet, way over the limit right now. And so, you know, I, yeah, definitely, I, I wouldn't, I would, I certainly would not blame her airplane. For for that and and uh, the hill, I wanted to go up there and go see it. Now, if that's the only way I can do it, is to see that is 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 to go by airplane. Then that's the only way I'm gonna be able to do it, right? That is correct. Okay, so I, you know, we're in the last few minutes. You want to take another call? Um, well, I would like to definitely encourage people to come out to the Make Good Trouble bus tour. And that address is 2101 North, I mean, sorry, East Dr. Martin Luther King Boulevard. And that will be at six o'clock. Um, from 6 o'clock to 8. And people, I encourage them to come soon as they get out of work. Come over there and let your voices be heard. Also, too, um, we will have uh, free food out there uh, for everyone. We got some really good free food coming off uh, some food trucks. Come on out and let's let's let uh, everyone know 
how we feel here in the city of Tampa. Actually, let's say in Hillsborough County. Um, surrounding counties, you're more than we welcome you to come. We have a lot of people coming from St. Pete. We um, Pasco County, Hernando County, Polk County. Come on over to this here. Um, the John Lewis Make Good Trouble bus tour. All right. All right. Hey, listen, we want to thank everybody for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. We want to thank Yvette Lewis, Antoinette Davis, and Brother Life Malcolm. Come on here, come check us out. Appreciate it, Brother African. All right, all right. Hey, listen, thank you, everybody, for joining us this Sunday on Facebook, live, and on radio show, uh, radio station, WMNF uh, and WMNF.org to listen to us here on the Sunday Forum. And as always, from my voice to the radio waves, to the hearts, to the minds of the people, we love you. And there's not one single solitary thing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. Tighten up on that backstroke. (laughs) We certainly appreciated your contributions to the Sunday Forum last week. And stay tuned now for the post-Martin Hootenanny coming your way next. Check out Mobili on Monday, 12 noon.